the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The following program is sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and owner and operator of Next Steps for Seniors, the business, which everybody knows, located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. We also have a foundation and we are really, really working hard to step in and bridge the gap for our low-income seniors. We support them financially, physically, and spiritually. And that's what our foundation does. But I today, our topic, because each and every week we do our best to bring you information that's pertinent and necessary and something we can all learn from. Our topic today is dermatology. And this is actually the first time that we have had a dermatologist in our studio on the radio. And I am thrilled to introduce you to our Dr. Edward Abreu. Did I say that right? You said it perfectly <laughs> correct. <laughs> so thank you for being here today, thank Doctor. Thank you for having us. It it's is, an honor to be here. Thank you. It's a big topic. It's mm-hmm. something that you know people deal with every single day. And to be honest, we need to be more educated on it. I feel like things happen throughout our lives as we age and we need to be aware. So this is a this is a hot topic. So thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me and I agree with you 100% because I was as we were talking prior to the show um the majority of our patients are actually elderly and people who are above 40, 50, 60, 70. Why? Because it is not the sun damage that causes one sun damage that can cause the problem. It is the cumulative effect of sun damage throughout our lives that gives us the trouble in the long run. And, you know, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to tell you what I've heard. Because mm-hmm. I've heard that if you get burnt really, really bad, like blisters, prior to the age of 18, that you have a higher risk of skin cancer. Is that true or false? That is true. 
And as uh, and the number many times we ask the patient, how many blistering sunburns have you had in your life? Even after age 18, but the majority of the time before age 18, that's when people have the leisure and the time to go out in the sun. Right. And then that's where they don't pay attention as much to their bodies. We become more self-aware. We want to protect our bodies as we mature. But uh, as young individuals, we have the leisure to be in the sun. And we're a bit cavalier, if you will, as far as uh, applying sunscreen and protecting ourselves from the sun. But we believe the risk of specifically one type of skin cancer that's a little bit more aggressive, which is called melanoma, increase significantly as uh, we get more and more blistering sunburns. If the patient cannot count the number of sunburn, uh, sunburns on one hand, that means he's had plenty. Wow. And that means he or she will have a higher risk of skin cancer altogether. Well, my kids think I'm a crazy mom because I lathered them, like covered them. And, and that's exactly <laughs> how I behave. I have four daughters See? the same exact way. They go to the pool and they are nothing but white ghosts from afar <laughs> because that sunscreen is all over. At the beginning, they were self-conscious about it. That right now, they just don't care because they know if they're allowed to be in a pool or anywhere outdoors, they have to wear sunscreen. And I keep telling, like my son's 17 right now, and I said, you are going to thank me someday, so don't get Exactly. And for, as deterrent, sometimes when we take, when we remove the skin cancer and we have big holes in people's faces, I tell them, take a picture and send it to your children because that will be the best deterrent. They see that it's actually a serious issue especially if it's in the head and neck area. This is the cosmetic part of our body and people look at us all the time and we become more and more self-conscious about it. So sometimes for these young kids, you have to give them not only the carrot, but sometimes the stick where you, when they see this bad picture and they recognize, oh, this could be me. Right. And I prefer for me not to go through this. And then that's when they become more vigilant about their sunscreen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Examples are huge. I totally exactly. agree with you. So how does a patient know if they're at increased risk of skin cancer? So besides the blistering, that was the exactly. main thing. The blistering sunburns is a main, main thing. The other thing is basically chronic sun exposure throughout their lives. Sometimes we see, so I have patients that are lifeguards, that are um, uh, gardeners, that are golfers, construction workers. So it, it uh, expand the the um, multiple um, uh, leisurely activity and also mu- multiple types of work if it's outdoorsy. Uh, if you combine these two, you see many patients that have had uh, the skin cancer based on the prior exposure. Not only that, there are specific type of population that are at higher risk. If you're an organ uh, transplant and you, because in order for you not to reject that transplant, you need uh, to have um, uh, uh, immune suppression. That immune suppression uh, decreases your chance of you rejecting the transplant, but increases the possibility of you not being able to fight skin cancer. So that's a subtype of, wow. po- of population that I typically see. These are the transplant population, kidney transplant, lung t- transplant, liver transplant, predominantly kidney because that's the most common transplant that is done in the United States. Uh, we get significant number of patients that have had uh, skin cancer specifically called squamous cell carcinoma. So that's another risk of uh, skin cancer. 
anytime you are of course lighter complected and you don't try to try to be colorblind but in reality if you're of cultic background and you're seeing a lot of sun your sun does not uh, your uh, skin does not protect you from the sun very well also people who are redheaded why they they do not produce the traditional form of melanin the pigment that our bodies produce and instead of uh, we call it eumelanin they can produce it they produce something called pheomelanin that does not protect them from the sun as much now we t talk about the sun in a broad uh, 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 approach, but in reality, there are specific rays of the sun that cause the skin cancer. It's called the ultraviolet B and, C, uh, and A. The C does not come to the surface of the earth. Ultraviolet A, ultraviolet B, the UVA and UVB, these are the ones that cause sun damage in general. So any exposure or extra exposure for it, then we know that that can happen. We used to use, uh, to have treatment for psoriasis, we call it PUVA. You, they take a pill that makes them more susceptible and they go into a booth where there's ultraviolet A. You walk into this if you have had multiple doses of this through the years when we did not know that it can cause skin cancer, these patients are developing skin cancer right now. Uh, people who have had radiation for acne, we did that back in the 40s and the 50s. And these patients are right now in their 70s and 80s. And if you do not know, you can develop something called basal cell carcinoma from these um, uh, radiation treatment that you've had for acne. It made your acne disappear, but unfortunately, the ramification of these radiation treatments in uh, 20, 30 years, we're seeing the repercussions of these right now. Very interesting. And mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of our listeners know that. I've never heard mm -hmm. that before, yes. but it makes sense, right? Yes. I mean, you're putting your face exactly. in, in that environment. In exactly. So even, let's say, ladies with, uh, after, uh, let's say, breast cancer, mm -hmm. they get the area radiated 10, 15, 20 years down the road. If you develop a sore somewhere, then make sure that that gets checked by a dermatologist. Sometimes you have a sore on the shin that never heals. And they, a lot of time it gets treated as a chronic ulcer. In reality, if a chronic ulcer doesn't heal, we, and doesn't heal, we need to biopsy it because it could be skin cancer, specifically called squamous cell carcinoma. I'll be darned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are many causes that can uh, lead you to skin cancer. And that's why there is no one um, recommendation whether every single member in the population needs a full body exam. But if you have... Uh, your personal history of skin cancer, you have a family history of skin cancer, you have history of atypical mole, we call them dysplastic nevi. I was just going to ask you that okay. question. What does a suspicious mole look like? Yeah. yeah. So if you have a mole that basically the borders are, uh, we call it A, B, C, D, E of melanoma. A for asymmetry, meaning one side does not look like the other. Mm -hmm. So if you cut it in half, one side does not look like the other. B for the border, if you have irregular jagged scallop border, so then we worry about it. C for the color, the darker it is, the more worrisome it is. The more variation within the color, the more worrisome it is. D for diameter, anything beyond the size of a pencil eraser, then we get excited. And E for evolving, anything that changes over time. So again, if you have all these, if you have atypical mold, if you have family history or personal history of skin cancer, if you have had significant sun damage, then the recommendation is for you at least to be seen once a year for a full body exam 
from head to toe. We look you over to see whether there is any suspicious lesions that need to be treated. I do want to second that because I have personally had some minor things, but to me, I'm, I do the once a year body check and I think it's so critical listeners. And we do all these other things. We do our annual physical. We do all the things that they tell us and recommend at certain ages, but we don't do the terminologist. I mean, so many of us are guilty of it. So I do want to echo what he's saying. It's incredibly important you know, we do all these breast cancer screening and prostate cancer screening, but skin cancer is very prevalent. It is the most prevalent cancer on earth, basal cell carcinoma, the most prevalent cancer, the bar none, basically. So it is very prevalent. It's very important. And I second what you're just saying. And I, I always try to tell the patient that do it around your uh, yearly physical exam. There you go. Because then they're ba basically both of them around the same time. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment to hear more. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. Our topic today is dermatology, and we have already learned so much, but there's so much more to know um, in regard to skin cancer and all the different things that can happen to our skin, especially as we age. And like Dr. Edwards said, we are getting more and more things happening as we age. 100%. And the majority of your patients are over the age of 60. 100%. 100%. That yeah. is so true. It's so Exactly. Uh, we're talking about how seniors are getting these skin cancers. Now, we believe that we're getting more skin cancers in general as a population. So the number, the incidence, meaning the number of cases per year is uh, increasing dramatically throughout the years. Part of it is because people are aging. When you age, we, we now have cholesterol medicines, we have cardiac medicines, we have so many medicines that we did not have before, and this pretty much allows us to live longer. And because it is the cumulative sun damage, then we, as we mature and as we are getting uh, older and older um, uh, age-wise, we get more and more of these skin cancers. That's one. Two, people are becoming more aware, and this program does probably is doing a great job trying to educate individuals. Thank you. We as are. Far as, yes, exactly, <laughs> about, about these topics. So people become more aware. When they are more aware, then they seek medical attention. And third, uh, doctors are becoming better at it. And we try in the dermatologic community to educate our counterpart. Today, I had two residents, one from the internal medicine department, one from the family medicine department, both at Wayne State University. And these programs are trying to educate the young doctors to be able to be vigilant as far as these things, either to for them to discover these skin cancers as primary care docs, mm -hmm. or if they are not comfortable with doing a full body exam, then they are sending it to the uh, dermatologist for them to take care of it. I like that. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a great concept because very rarely does my primary care ask me if I've been to mm -hmm. the dermatologist. So the country in the world that has the most number of skin cancer altogether per capita is Australia. Mm -hmm. And Australia has done an amazing job for their primary care doc teaching them how to pick these skin cancers. Remember, these are Celtic, Northern European people that went near the equator where there is significant sun. And their population is at a higher risk of the skin cancer due to that 
intensity of the sun in that area and the fact that people do a lot of things outdoor there. So I think we're unfortunately not Australia yet, but my dream, when I, even when I was a dermatologist uh, in residency, is to educate more and more. So one day we will probably be at, on par with basically Australia that they do, the primary care does a great job with that. Okay, primary care physicians, if you're listening to the, <laughs> if you're listening to the radio. They do a great job. We have a great community here, mm-hmm. and I think that the care that uh, uh, a lot of my patients receive from their primary care is amazing, mm-hmm. and they are very vigilant, and when something does not look right, I see the patient immediately. A lot of these primary cares pick up the phone and talk to me about the patient. So I think we are really blessed with a great community of physicians in this area. We truly are. We truly are. And I do see how that collaboration would work mm-hmm. well. And, Absolutely. And, you know, listeners, this is for you because if for some reason you don't hear that topic, I like that you could go do a full body exam mm-hmm. and you should do it around your annual physician, mm-hmm. if it, you know, primary care Physic. physician, because now you know you're not going to forget to do it. Exactly. And oh goodness, it's already been a year. I got to go back. Yes. And it does not have to be the same day. I tell them just do it within the same month. There Try. you go. There's like, you know, you're taking care of everybody else around you. They allow for a month for you to take care of yourself. Yeah. And part of it, do your, your uh, skin, uh, full skin checks. That's absolutely correct. So is that usually covered under insurance or does it depend? Typically, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Especially if there's um, there any spot that are of concern, then basically, yes. And even if it, we're doing just a full checkup, we it's just a considered call it a, full a well, visit. yeah. Yeah. A well visit for okay. dermatology. There you go, listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about preventative measures patients can take to decrease the risk of so, having. If, if I get a penny for each time that I say the spiel, I'm going to say the spiel again. <laughs> uh, make, uh, I always tell my patient, I expect you to wear sunscreen, SPF of 30, applying it 20 to 30 minutes prior to outdoor activities, and reapply every couple of hours or so. Even the ones that the, the, the um, uh, sunscreens that are uh, water resistant, they are not 100% wire resistant, uh, water resistant. So I expect you to reapply it each time you take a dip in the water and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option that we can do is use physical blockers. What does that entail? A wide brimmed hat. I would say three to five inches of the white, like a fisherman's hat or like a gardener's hat would be great. And of course, long sleeve and long uh, pants for people who are extremely susceptible to the sun and with history of uh, skin cancer who are trying to prevent themselves from getting another one. Well, and they make it easy now, right? They have those shirts, the SPF shirts that... Exactly. So at the beginning, I used to tell them that it used to be geeky, but please tolerate (laughs) these shirts. Now, actually, they're making them so fancy. Exactly. The, the, the fancy ones with good fabric and this and that. Now, uh, these can go a bit um, uh, uh, stale after a while. Why? When you keep washing them, the uh, quality of the sun protection uh, drops precipitously through the years. So I tell them invest in one every couple of years or so. And if you invest in one every couple of years or so and you're preventing yourself from skin cancer, I tell them the shirt will become much cheaper than the copay right. that you'll pay the docs. <laughs> it's so true. Yes. <laughs> they are making them stylish, yes. I think. it's And the hats, too. The I mean, hats. Uh, Studies have shown physical protection is always better than chemical protection. What does that mean? To stay in the shade, to have an umbrella, 
to wear your wide-brimmed hat to get the long sleeve and the long pants is typically better than the sunscreen. Why? Mm -hmm. We do two things not perfectly with sunscreen. First, the FDA, the way have, they have recommended the sunscreen, it is, it's called one, um, uh, like it's, you will have to put a very thick layer. I'm just going to not even use the number, but just technically a very thick layer. Are a lot of us for cosmetic purposes and to re look representable and in front of the other individuals that we're either hanging out with, working with, and, and the likes, we do not uh, add that thick layer. So you're not getting the full protection. And second, we are human. We will always err and forget a spot, forget right. a dot. And with that, that's going to have an increased risk of you having a skin cancer in the area that you have not applied. And that's have not applied. So that's why the physical blocker always work best compared to chemical blockers. But we always recommend a combination of both. I, I do see more people at baseball games and mm -hmm. such having umbrellas. Mm -hmm. Why not just have an umbrella exactly. over your head? Oh, I recommend that immensely. Actually, sometimes as a, a token of our appreciation in our practice, we give umbrellas. Oh, <laughs> you should put your name <laughs> on exactly. the top of it, right? So everybody can see exactly. it. Exactly. Does and, it matter what level of SPF you wear? Uh, you said so, 30 earlier. Yeah, so we recommend 30, and you can even go higher. Now, 30 covers 92, 94% of the ultraviolet light. 50 cover, covers 95%. So you're getting the 3 or 4% extra. To be economic, uh, you don't need to spend a lot more money many uh, uh, for for that few extra protection. Okay. So if you're getting the 30, we will be happy. We use 50 and 70 in individuals that are extremely susceptible to the sun or have other like almost allergies from the sun. We call it solar urticaria. Mm -hmm. So there are certain places where we recommend that. Now, some patients feel better and they are willing to spend that extra dollar or two on each bottle and say, I want the 50 or 70. And remember, some of them are not applying them as thick enough. And then that will be just perfectly fine with me as well. So I, one more question in regards to that, because I know you said we reapply after the water and all of that. Mm -hmm. What is your take on your eyes? Because mm -hmm. it's really hard to put sunscreen on your eyes. Are we exactly. just supposed to wear sunglasses? What's your... And, and yes. Is there certain so, so we can put the sunscreen on the eyelid and still will be safe so long it does, no, it does not go inside the eye, so it does not burn the eye. But my colleagues from ophthalmology would agree that they would recommend a... a, a Sunglasses. A sunglass that has UV protection as well. Not the cheap ones from Not the dollar the cheap store. One. Exactly. Why? Because otherwise you'll end up with cataract and the... That, so that's the effect of the sun on our eye as well. Mm. And, and it's the ultraviolet light and, and it's the cumulative exposure to ultraviolet light that causes these cataracts. Oh, see, there so, we go. We're learning that too. Exactly. So <laughs> if you put your sunglasses, then you're protecting from that. And of course, you're protecting the eyelids as well. Right. Depending on the style of the sunglasses, many of them are right now cover the eyelids. The eyelids, yes. Because yeah. I have heard stories of people getting skin cancer on the eyelid. So Probably we, rare, but I've seen it. Once a week or twice a week, I do a case that involves the eyelid. And many times we send them to an ophthalmologist that specializes in putting eyelids back together. They are called oculoplastic surgeons. 
So that's very, so it is still very common in this area as well. So if you have a sty that does not heal, see your dermatologist or see your ophthalmologist and it needs a biopsy. This is critical, listeners. I had a very close relative that had this exact problem, sty that would not heal, and nobody knew mm-hmm. that it was cancer. Mm-hmm. But you have to go to the dermatologist or oculoplastic surgeon. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you. Sure, of This course. is good information. You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. We are here today talking about skin cancer, and what an amazing topic. Thank you, doctor, because this is... Near and dear, not just to my heart, but many of our seniors have questions about this. And I really am thrilled that you're answering all of them. It's our pleasure. (laughs) Because there's so much we don't know. But listeners, if nothing else, please wear your sunglasses. I just, I really want to stress that. I think it's really critically important. And we don't realize it, like you said, until we get older. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you have all these issues and 100%. it's because you didn't wear sunglasses exactly. as a child. Exactly. So now is an opportunity to do that. But I do like the preventative full body exam. I think that's a, it's an important factor. And, you know, people are probably like, if you haven't had one, let me ask you this. What does a full body exam require? So it's actually you just showing up. Plain and simple. You come, you basically ask uh, the secretary to book you for a full body exam. They tend to take longer than an average visit. They put you on the right slot. You come in, you walk in. You, to be honest, we'll keep you for a female. You keep your undergarment. For males, you keep your underwear. And then you have a gown on top. The doctor walks in. They, the doctor with their assistant, they look you over from head to toe. You have moles. We have we typically document everything on an iPad. We take a picture of these moles so we can evaluate them over the years. You have a spot that is concerning, then we biopsy that spot. You have a spot that is rough, we call it precancerous sun damage spot, AK or actinic keratosis, that's the scientific name for it. We take a canister of liquid nitrogen and we freeze those to stop it from going into a skin cancer. You need something further or you need an excision or something like that, and it gets booked that um, appointment for the next uh, 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 available appointment. Uh, we look in between the, the the web spaces of the fingers. We look in between the web spaces of the toes. We look at the bottom of the toes. We look at the private area. For females, sometimes we send them to their OB-GYN mm-hmm. for the private area, but for the buttocks, for basically for male genitalia, we look at them during the exam as well because males don't have their, they don't go to a urologist on a regular basis, unlike females that they typically visit the, the, their uh, or be on a regular basis. And if there's any lesion, even in, the, in these private areas, then we recommend a biopsy if necessary. Now, sometimes uh, pregnant females uh, come with a changing mole. We don't know or we don't understand it, but there has been case reports of moles changing during pregnancy mm-hmm. where they're becoming aggressive type of skin cancer called melanoma. So if uh, we do a a full body exam for a pregnant female, if necessary, if there are moles that are changing and we do uh, the biopsies for their moles as well, if necessary. 
So what about the hair? A lot of so people get them. Between the hair, we come, we, I literally, we either take a comb and we comb through it and we look at it, or I take Q-tips and I part the hair and I look in between the hair. But I give kudos to some of the, uh, to, to a lot of the doctors in the community for the amazing work that they do. But here I'll give kudos to the hairstylist. And there are who so. Who sees the back of your head, right? The majority of them it's the, either the barber or the hairstylist. And I have seen so many referrals from salons in the area. And they actually, that's part of their training is to look for these spots. And if there's something is not looking right, then they alert the patient and that patient basically shows up to our doorsteps. So that's something that hairstylists do help us out with. I definitely look at the scalp in every which way from the top and on the sides, making sure that I don't miss a spot. It's a challenge with somebody with thick hair, mm -hmm. and I typically will tease the patient and tell them, you know what, you're blessed with thick hair, but that's going to make it harder for me to look in between the scalp. So but be patient. Still, exactly. <laughs> patient with me. I probably mess up there too, but to be honest, it is part of us being vigilant, making sure that we are not missing a spot on the scalp that people are not seeing. Let me ask you this question. What do you think is the most common place for a man to get skin cancer? Is it usually like on his face, by his Head ears? Head and neck. I, okay. Male is. and female, they get, male get more on the scalp because we are typically follicularly challenged. Thin, in the, yeah, in that sometimes area. the men's hair thins exactly. as they age. We, because of, of the balding spots that men have, because even if females become. Uh, they have a, a thinner hair. We call it female pattern alopecia. Females thin their hair, but it, basically they do not lose it 100%. Correct. While males do, aside from the side, which we call the temporal part and the occipital part. But on the top, they are typically losing that mm -hmm. hair. <clears throat> Excuse me. When they are losing the hair, then they are basically the sun can even penetrate easier. And if you're not wearing a baseball cap, if you're not wearing that wide brimmed hat that we recommend, then they get at least precancer spot. We call it actinic keratosis or a lot of skin cancer as well. So if we wives, I'm mm -hmm. talking to all of you right now. Um, if we have a husband over the age of, you know, whatever, 55, who is starting to lose our hair, we should be looking into our husband's heads and anything that looks suspicious, sending, telling them, go to the dermatologist because they don't go unless we tell them and, to go. And I can't uh, thank you enough for bringing this point up. Uh, we, there was a study I trained in Boston and there was a study in Boston saying that who discovers skin cancer? In the United States, it's still the majority happens by the patient. They come, they don't, they, because they don't like a something spot or looks, two, mm -hmm. some, something looks suspicious. And then classically is the dermatologists that biopsy the, these things. Some primary care, again, do very uh, good job at doing that as well. Um, but as far as who discovers it, is it the male on a female or a, a female on a male? So if the spouse is typically, it is the wife that discovers it on the husband. And the wife is basically about 94% or 92, 94, if I remember correctly, discover skin cancer on the husband. Wow. Now, husband, uh, it's only 8 or 6% or, uh, uh, of the time that they discovered on the wives. So... We lose in that department as well, gentlemen. <laughs> this, is, this is funny. So, but oh, the, so true. I can, I could see that exactly. And then what you you brought a, a, a very good point as well is the importance of self uh, examination 
and uh, having the spouse or somebody you live with that can look at the back, the buttocks area, the scalp, the some, if you can't look at the bottom of the feet, then that's where the family member, your roommate, your um, uh, spouse will be a great help. Uh, uh, for them to look at the back at these areas. And of course, if they don't know what they're looking at, then that's where the dermatologist and the primary care comes into play. And we can kind of decipher, is this a, a growth benign, which we still can get many benign growths as we growths as we age, but also we can get so many malignant growths as we age as well. So let me ask you this question. There's a lot of different types of skin cancer. I know you mentioned melanoma. Mm-hmm. Is there like, can you go through the grade of like, what's the least all the way up to the it, worst? You got it. Okay. So there is, I'm going to mention the three most common types of skin cancer. There are plenty more, okay. but the most common is called basal cell carcinoma. That's the most basic. It does not go all over your, your body or wreak havoc in your system. However, if you don't treat it, it doesn't go away. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and destroys the adjacent area around it. That's why we end up treating it. The second, and, and uh, this starts as like an open sore that does not heal. Some people come and tell me, well, you know what? I have this spot on my ear. It was uh, my, my pillow is, is bleeding in the past three or months. And then basically I have blood on my, it's been bleeding for the past three or four months. And if you look at my pillow, it has blood on, on my pillow on a regular basis. And that's when we know that this is most likely a basal cell carcinoma. The second most common type is called squamous cell carcinoma, SQU, squamous cell. It is the second most common type. It is definitely related to sun exposure. We see it in the V-neck and above, and we see it on the arms, the back of the hands, the legs, the feet, especially when people wear shorts and short, short, uh, like t-shirts and shorts. Um, and they tend to grow a bit faster. They blossom sometimes and they look like it's almost mushrooming. They're more of thick consistency and redness to them than the traditional basal cell that is more pearly in, in looks where it is, it shines. Mm. It's just like a pearl and it shines. So that's the second most common type. That one, not only could it be locally destructive, but it can also go to regional lymph nodes in the area. Into so your that's body, gotcha. In your body. Okay. The third and the one that where we're talking about the mole and the atypical moles and the, the, the ones that we worry about the most and we're talking about the blistering sunburn is the melanoma. Melanoma can happen very fast. It can go all over your body quickly. It can go to lymph nodes. It can go to brain. It can go to lungs. And it can kill us if we have not discovered it early. Uh, Discovering it early meaning it is not very thick, but it is a thin one. But if the melanoma has penetrated deeper and deeper, then we worry about regional lymph node involvement and metastatic organ, like other uh, distal metastases and other organs as well. Can you share your information with our listeners really quick? So you're talking about my How office. How do you get a hold of you? Okay, yes, so we need I to am. Call this, you. I'm, my name is Ed Abru, and I'm a dermatologist and a board-certified Mohs surgeon as well. I'm at Beacon Skin and Surgeries. We have two locations in Rochester and in Livonia. Our phone number is two four eight eight five two nineteen hundred two four eight eight five two one nine zero zero. And this is an opportunity to write that number down because I'm so impressed. And I thank you so much for being here. We've got one more segment. Stay tuned. This 
This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Our topic today is dermatology and skin cancer, and what a gift we have been given. I am so thankful, doctor, that you are here today. I am Dr. thankful Edward to be here. Dr. Edward Abreu, yes. Thank you. And he is from the Be- uh, Beacon Skin and Surgeries in Rochester Hills and in Livonia. And I highly recommend him, listeners, if you have not had your annual, you, you've got to go at least minimum once a year and have a skin exam. I agree. And uh, if there's anything suspicious, we are the ones who see our bodies the most, at least the front half, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see anything, I highly recommend you um, telling them, tell, call the office, tell them you heard him on the radio, Next Steps exactly. for Seniors, mm-hmm. and you just want him to look at a thing. And like he said, most of it is all covered under insurance. Why wouldn't we have it checked out? I agree. I agree. That's good for health maintenance in general. So important. And like you mentioned, larger skin cancer is a bigger item topic than, you know, some of these other cancers out there. We all get checked for everything else, but we forget about our skin. I agree. So we need to pay attention. So let's talk a little bit about treatments, doctor. So tell us what what types of treatments are available for various skin cancers. It depends on exactly what, what are we dealing with. So there, we're talking about it on, in the break that we get, we all get as we mature these spots that look like they are almost what we call stuck on, uh, as if somebody has basically uh, patched it to our skin. Called, they're called seborrheic keratosis or SK. These are kind of brownish spots that we get as we mature. They're completely benign. They're more of a nuisance than anything else. And we typically don't treat those. Once in a while, they get kind of uh, stuck in, in with, with our clothing articles or with our uh, chain that we wear around our neck. And these we zap with liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen comes in a canister. We basically, we come, it's like almost a gun. It is too cold that it burns, but, but what it does, it destroys these basically lesions. We use it for precancerous sun damage spots called actinic keratosis. These are rough spots on red bases that we see on the skin. We see them on a balding uh, uh, men. We see them on the faces of a lot of indig- uh, individuals, golfers, gardeners, and the likes. We zap them. Why? One or two out of ten converts into a skin cancer. And we don't know which one would, which one wouldn't. So we zap them all because... Better be safe than sorry. Exactly. Now, the zapping takes three, five minutes. I know it burns a little bit. You might be polka dotted before when you leave my office for a day or two. So don't do it around like if you're attending a wedding or proposing a toast or having a baptism for the grandkids. But do it basically when you're not very socially busy. And in a few days, it subsides. And uh, basically, all the scaliness goes away. And that's uh, how we prevent you from being cut. But to be honest, the majority of my time I spent cutting uh, the skin cancer. So once that precancerous spot converts into a skin cancer, the next there are basically there are certain options for these skin cancers. There are some if they are if it's superficial basal cell, we can use a couple of uh, chemotherapeutic agents. One is called imiquimod, and the other is five fluorouracil. And there are other newer agents as well, but these are the traditional. Uh, topicals. You apply the topical four, five, even seven days a week for two to four, six weeks, depending on the dermatologist and the endpoint that they are um, trying to achieve. And then the redness there would help, uh, and then the, the reaction will help get rid of these precancerous spot and some of the cancerous spot as well. If that does not help, and it depending again, there's all depending on the size, the location, the subtype of the basal cell, then we cut. 
if it's in the trunk, the extremity, we go take a big chunk out. We go take what we call wide margins on each side and then make it into kind of a football shape so we can pull it together in a simple line. We do two sets of stitching. The deep ones, they dissolve, and then the ones on the top will uh, bring you back in a couple of weeks to get the stitches out. Now, if these cancers on the face, I spend the majority of the, my time doing something called MOHS. M-O-H-S. That's the last name of the individual that invented the technique. His name was Frederick Mose out of Madison, Wisconsin. So let's say you have that lesion on the nose, that basal or the squamous cell. We numb up, we cut. We don't take a big piece. We literally go outside while we see with the naked eye and then that's it. Then we cauterize to stop some bleeding. We put a temporary bandage and have you wait. It takes an hour or two for the lab to analyze, this, uh, to analyze the specimen. We take the specimen, we ink it so we know where is north and south and east and west. We freeze it, we cut it, we stain it, they put it in slides form and the, the dermatologist, the most surgeon becomes the pathologist as well. And then we take a look at it underneath the microscope and see, did we get everything out or no? If we have from the first time around, thank God, we call it a day. If not, we come back again, take a little bit more. Now, how do we take a little bit more? Let's say and underneath the microscope, there's still something left in the north corner. When we come back, we don't come back at random and cut a huge piece mm -hmm. right around the entire area. We purposefully and specifically go to that spot that remains to be positive. So this procedure allows us to be judicious and frugal as mm -hmm. far as how much tissue we take. Why is that important? If it's the nose, Especially you don't want... Especially if it's your face. Exactly. Yes. You don't want half of the nose to be taken and that's why we do it that way and if it uh, we, we do that so on and so forth until there is no more skin cancer cells that are left once that happens and once we achieve a clear uh, uh, layer then that's when we try to put it back together using our cosmetic background uh, um, uh, cosmetic surgery background we can pull it together we can uh, move the tissue around we call these flaps and grafts to make them look very nice um, the other option, sometimes if there are, let's say, areas that are inoperable or they are very large, radiation becomes an option as well. We don't use it often because we remember when we talked initially mm -hmm. uh, during our uh, initial conversation, radiation can cause skin cancer in the long run. So we prefer for us to use it as the last effort or last last ditch effort and also we prefer using it and and later and later decades in life when you're 70 and 80 because the chances of you outliving the side effect becomes less right and that's why radiation becomes an option in these individuals. There are individuals who have a specific genetic syndrome that can have, let's say, basal cell carcinoma, multitude of them, and they have gotten it from a family member through by their by by them inheriting it. We call it basal basal cell nevus syndrome. Those, there are some medication that we can give, but these medications have all kinds of side effects, including permanently using your, losing your hair, weight loss, uh, 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 not a good taste in your mouth, like, you know, and you can't taste the food metal. very well, mm -hmm. you lose metal taste in your mouth, and then uh, it can affect your thyroid as well. Mm -hmm. So preserve, we preserve these medicine for people that absolutely need it. We don't use it. We, the surgery still technically is the gold standard for these skin cancers. And that's, I mean, I'm a dermatologic surgeon. I spend the majority of my time in surgeries versus anything else and preventing skin cancer by, of course, educating our population as far as sun protection, as well as freezing these precancerous spots or giving them the topical chemotherapy so they don't convert into a skin cancer.
So do you do this procedures, all of these in your office or do yes. you need to go somewhere else? Everything is done. It's an office-based procedure. If it does not involve the eyelid because or near the eye, because if it's a swollen eye, then you won't be able to drive. You can drive yourself just like when you go to a dentist. I don't have the uh, drilling sound of the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry for my colleagues who are dentists, <laughs> but basically they're like, everything is an office space, just like any dentist office. We inject locally. We use lidocaine with epinephrine. If you're, a, if you're sensitive to epinephrine, then we, we don't use it. And you can typically drive unless again, if it's around the eye, then we want somebody to drive you. Uh, you can have your breakfast. You can have many times, uh, uh, if you're on blood thinner, we kind of protocol you. We look at what blood thinner are you on. And we typically keep you on a lot of these blood thinners after, after consulting with your primary care doctor, your cardiologist, or your neurologist. Great information. So we've got two minutes left in the program, mm -hmm. and we covered a lot of ground. If we have anyone that's just tuning in, what would be the takeaways you want them to remember from today's program? Uh, the skin is the largest organ in our body, so pay attention to it. Uh, if you have a lesion or a spot that does not look right, seek immediate attention. Do not be hesitant to schedule a full body exam on a yearly basis. And if you have a spot that is bleeding, scabbing over, coming back, make sure that you seek dermatology care. Not asymmetrical too. Yes. If it's a mole that has asymmetry, that has irregular borders, that is darker or multiple variations in colors, it's becoming larger or it's evolving or changing over time, please make sure that some like a professional sees it. And my last piece of information that I took away is pay attention to the people around you, like your spouse, exactly. look at their head, look at their back, exactly. your Protect kids, yourself and your, your parents. Exactly. Yes, we need to we need to look out for each other. Exactly. So thank you, Dr. Edward Abreu, and give your phone number again, please, because sure. I know they're going to want to call you. Of course. This is Edward Abreu from Beacon Skin and Surgeries, and our phone number is 248-852-1900, 248 1900 and you probably don't call yourself very often. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I had so, to think about it. So, I was th I was trying to give my cell phone. Then I'll be inundated with yes, phone calls that I will, don't know how to, to handle. Everybody <laughs> will call you. So 248-852-1900-1900. Thank yes. you, doctor, for being and here. And thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Great information. You. Listeners, you're listening to The Patriot at FM 101.5 and AM 1400. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. The preceding program was sponsored by Next Steps for Seniors Foundation. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.